Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics podcast. It's Friday, May 19th. I'm Michael Serapio. Here are the big political stories we are talking about today. Danielle Smith and Rachel Notley face off in the Alberta leaders' debate. This election, Albertans have a choice between a UCP government that has lowered taxes, balanced the budget, and returned Alberta to its place as the economic powerhouse of Canada. Or we can choose to go backward with the same failed NDP policies that hiked taxes, drove out jobs and investment, and almost bankrupted our province. I'll protect our health care, protect our mountains, and protect your pension. And having learned today that Danielle Smith broke the law, I will also protect our law, and I will never break it. In Ottawa, the Environment Minister speaks out about the Parliamentary Budget Officer's new report on the impact of the government's clean fuel regulations. You're asking me what I disagree with. I disagree with the fact that it's a very incomplete analysis. That's what I fundamentally disagree with. And if you have an incomplete analysis, of course your your numbers and your conclusions will be skewed. And we look ahead to next week's report from David Johnston on foreign interference. He has a fake job and he's unable to do it impartially. He needs to simply hand it over and allow a independent public inquiry into Beijing's interference. Joining us now is Robert Fife, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. Bob, good morning. Good morning. So let's begin with the Alberta leaders debate last night. Uh, more than a week left in the campaign, little more than a week, I should say. And polls say it's still very tight. So uh, interesting to see this debate, wondering uh, what your thoughts about how each leader did, uh, whether or not they accomplished what they needed to. Uh, let's start with Danielle Smith. What's your assessment there? Well, I think she held her own. Um, you know, she did what she had to do, which is to go hard uh, after the NDP saying that you know, they will increase taxes and that they are going, aren't going to be supportive of the oil and gas industry. She raised the issue of, uh, you know, that he's that she's going to be bound by uh, the views of people of the federal NDP and that she's too close to Trudeau. These kind of things uh, tend to work uh, in Alberta when you say when you say you don't support the oil and gas industry or when you say, you're going to increase taxes. Actually, if you say you're going to increase taxes anywhere, it doesn't it doesn't appeal to very many Canadians. She was she she ran into a bit of trouble, of course, um, over the uh, the ethics commissioner's report that said that she tried to influence uh, a judicial uh, interfered in the judicial process and trying to help um, a uh, street preacher who was uh, uh, preaching to anti convoy people in Coots, Alberta. Um, and as well, she ran into trouble from uh, Miss Notley over the whole issue of, um, you know, there was a candidate who said who compared UPC candidate who compared children to feces, trans 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 children to uh, feces, and another one who uh, was made some racist comments. So, um, you know, she she ran into trouble, and Notley was good on that one, but I think. There on the larger issues, that's the one that Notley has to deal with is taxes and support for the oil and gas industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about Rachel Notley here because you know, as you said, she she got she got in her her fair uh, digs into uh, Danielle Smith, but she certainly got hits as well. So, so what is your assessment of how the NDP leader did? Well, and you notice she even showed up wearing a blue outfit, which is that so as did Daniel Smith, the blue is sort of the conservative colors. So she's trying to, and I think she was successful too in coming across as a trusting person, common sense policies. Uh, you saw me govern before. I didn't do anything. I didn't, you know, I didn't make mistakes. I ran a very 
competent, ethical government. Um, you know, she tried to make the point that, um, you know, that she's done some really good things, uh, uh, whether it's healthcare, uh, when she was premier, uh, and that, um, and, and that, you know, she has been supportive of the oil and gas industry. I mean, she was very big supporter of, of the extension of the trans, uh, mountain pipeline, for example. So I think she did what she had to do as well, uh, to try to convince, um, Albertans that she is not a uh, she's not a, a windmill type politician like Daniel Smith, who's since she become premier has been getting into one controversy after another, and that is not Miss Notley style. So, if voters uh, want to have uh, somebody who um, will just get things done, uh, they'll probably vote for for uh, Miss Notley. But if you're if you are fearful of the NDP, you might vote for Daniel Smith. And as you say, who knows where this election is going to go? It is really tight, and it's going to go down to how people in uh, in the city of Calgary's. Uh, vote if they all go for the NDP. Uh, Miss Notley should win because um, the uh, you know Miss Smith's got the rural areas locked up. So yeah, yeah, uh, it's got it's going to be fun to watch. It's been a real tight one, and you don't yeah. normally see, as you know, you don't normally see that in Al Alberta. It's usually it's a runaway for the Conservatives. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, uh, Calgary, the the battleground that everyone's watching for, and I, you know, I think it's going to really be a. a who, which party is more successful at getting voters to go out to the polls? I think that we're going to really be looking at that. And for, I think the the bar for, for Danielle Smith is how do you get moderate conservatives who still question her leadership uh, to actually, uh, if not vote NDP, get them out to, to actually cast a ballot. So I'm watching that very closely. Yeah, just let me jump in for a moment. Lee Richardson's former conservative MP under uh, Stephen Harper, who would also worked uh, when he was younger uh, for Brian Mulroney, endorsed uh, Notley just the other day. So there's a lot of progressive conservatives who do not like uh, Miss Smith, and they will definitely vote for the NDP. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so watching that very closely. In fact, CPAC will have special coverage of the Alberta election uh, when when it happens. So uh, we'll keep following it very closely. But let's move right now onto this uh, clean fuel levy or regulation from the federal government, which you know conservatives describe as a second carbon tax. It, it goes into effect July the first, part of the government's uh, climate action plan. But you know, we we just heard from the parliamentary budget officer says it will cost families more than a thousand dollars a year, and it will hit lower income families hardest. How how bad is this for the Trudeau government when Canadians are, are still struggling with affordability issues right now? Well, it's going to be very uh, it's it's not going to help them clearly. Um, the Conservatives are going to bounce jump on this one and hit it as hard as they possibly can. You know, the Trudeau government is going to increase gas taxes by seventeen cents. It's going to be a big hit to the GDP, which the uh, Parliament Budget Officer says it'll be about a nine billion dollar hit to the Canadian economy by 2030. So uh, it's really hard to win those kind of arguments um, when you have the, your main opposition party saying this is going to cost you and me in the pocketbook, even though uh, the NDP and the Liberals uh, and the Bloc Quebec wall have all argued that, you know, you have, what the parliamentary budget officer did not take into account is the... Uh, reduction in greenhouse gas emissions from these uh from these regulations they're they're saying yes that's that may be all true but you know we have we also have to deal with climate change 
And um, the argument is that this is a would be a 15% reduction below 2016 levels when this comes in. So um, it'll be hard to say how many people, what people will do, whether they will go with the pocketbook one or they'll say, I'm, I will spend this money because... Um, it's I have to fight climate change, but I'm telling you, if you're a poor person and you're already struggling and inflation is high, I think the conservatives may get your vote. Yeah, well, well, certainly the the, the fear of a dollar figure from the PBO is more real than a theoretical benefit at this point for people on climate change. So, so that's that. You know, it's it's really going to be interesting to see how the government tries to communicate that argument to to get uh, people on side because communication on this is so tough. Uh, but listen, let's also talk about uh, David Johnston because uh, next week we 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 will will be getting the the report from the special rapporteur. Uh, Parliament won't be sitting, uh, but uh, that report is due for the prime minister, uh, basically on foreign interference, as you know very well. It's it, it's hard to believe that David Johnston could come to any other conclusion. But to say that a public inquiry has to happen on this. So what's your thought on that? Well, yeah, I mean, we've just uh, done another story in the Globe today about the fact that um, CESIS applied for an electronic an entry warrant against uh, Deputy Mayor of Markham, Michael Chan, who was a former Ontario Liberal Cabinet Minister, a very influential player in the GDA, particularly in the Chinese-Canadian community, and our source told us that uh, it took about four months for uh, Bill Blair, who was then the public safety minister, to sign off. And normally it takes no more than a week uh, at the most for these kind of signatures to come off. And, of course, the concern is was was the government hesitant to, to sign off on this because an election was coming and Michael Chan was an important player for the Liberal Party. Um, so that's the kind of questions that keeps popping up all the time. Uh, and and the opposition parties keep saying that's why we need a public inquiry. So um, one would think that the that Mr. Johnson is going to call for a public inquiry. But Michael, I've heard I've talked to some people who have spoken to him within the last uh, two weeks, and some of them got the sense that he didn't think a public inquiry was necessary. So I wouldn't rule that out that he says we don't want to have a public inquiry. Well, that's interesting because wouldn't that paint? Trudeau in such a difficult corner because he he said he will follow the recommendation of the rapporteur and, and considering all these cries for a public inquiry from different quarters, not just from opposition MPs, but for from past security officials uh, and intelligence officials as well. Wouldn't that paint the prime minister into a difficult corner? Oh, it certainly would, because um, he already landed in trouble by appointing Mr. Johnson in the first place because he's a longtime family friend of the Trudeaus and he had sat on the Trudeau Foundation. So it, it, if Mr. Johnson does not call a public inquiry, uh, I think it's going to hurt, damage his reputation and it's certainly not going to mean a lot of political problems for the for the, for the uh, Trudeau government because um, the opposition parties are smelling blood on this one. Um, so we'll see what happens, but um, my goodness, if he, if he doesn't call one or if he, or if he Put some kind of proposal that's very limited and the terms of reference are one that you're not going to learn a very much on i think people he'll be called to task for that as well yeah i would think a public inquiry though would actually be in the government's interest right now because they have you know this really well they, they've been struggling for months now to answer questions about china and foreign interference you would think a public inquiry would actually be be a salve for them at this point a public inquiry would be in this sense that they could say 
uh, well, I, what would be better for them is, a, is an inquiry that is not public. <laughs> uh, and, and, it's, and it reports uh, two years from now after the next election campaign, because then the government can get up in the House of Commons and say, well, I can't comment. This is a subject of an inquiry. A public inquiry um, ha has risks, though, because if there's a public inquiry and you learn information in, that's non-intelligence and not sensitive intelligence but if you learn information where you know it, the liberals ignored um ceases advice for political benefits that would really seriously hurt uh the government let's go back to you know the um uh, sponsorship scandal in the gomley inquiry which uh really that sunk the liberals uh, in a, an election that election campaign um they really lost a lot of votes uh, because of that public inquiry so it's it's a two-edged sword. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, that report uh, due to the Prime Minister on Tuesday, watching that very closely. Uh, until then, though, Bob, the good news, we get a long weekend. <laughs> so, yeah. so thank you for this. Uh, have, have a good Victoria Day weekend. Thank you very much. And that is Robert Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief for The Globe and Mail. It is uh, obviously extremely important that we reflect on the past 60 years of friendship between Canada and Korea. Now let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In the Globe and Mail, Tina J. Park argues Justin Trudeau's visit to Seoul marks a growing coziness between Canada and South Korea. She writes, The Prime Minister's visit this week signals a new turning point in the Canadian-Korean relationship as the two nations vow to work closely together on trade, energy, and regional security issues. Canada's new Indo-Pacific strategy and the new spark in the bilateral relationship between Canada and Korea all point in the right direction. It is a recognition that Canada can no longer remain as a passive bystander in the face of geopolitical challenges in Asia. It is encouraging to see strong interest from the Canadian government and Canadian companies that want to capitalize on the strong relationship between the two countries. Koreans are ready to do more business, and Team Canada must seize the opportunity. In the Toronto Star, Gillian Stewart considers why prominent Alberta Conservatives are supporting Rachel Notley's NDP. She writes, the UCP is a merger of Alberta progressive conservatives and the right-wing Wild Rose Party. But many moderate conservatives were leery of the deal from the beginning because the Wild Rosers seem to have the upper hand. Many moderate conservatives don't recognize the party they were once so proud of. How many of them will stay home rather than vote or vote NDP is another question. But this election is so close, especially in Calgary, where the NDP needs close to a sweep if they are to take up the reins of government. In the end, it may be these lifelong conservatives who tilt the election in the NDP's favor. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in Hiroshima, Japan for the G7 Leader Summit. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will visit a union in Port Coquitlam, B.C., before speaking with the Premier of Northwest Territories. Innovation Minister François-Philippe Champagne and the International Trade Minister Mary Ng continue their trip to Washington, D.C., where they are taking part in a North American Semiconductor Conference. Northern Affairs Minister Dan Vandal will make an announcement about preventing gun crime and gang violence in Winnipeg. As for the Immigration Minister Sean Fraser, he will make an announcement regarding the Community Support Society of River John, Nova Scotia. 
and the Bloc Québécois holds its national convention starting today in Drummondville, Quebec. That is CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, May 19th. I'm Michael Serapio. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns Monday, May the 29th. Until then, take care and have a great Victoria Day weekend.